I always tell people that uh, productive, passionate pursuits are not the same as entertainment pursuits. So um, I, I like to make that uh, mm-hmm. distinction for people because there's always sort of this connotation and mythology around that method of homeschooling. Welcome back to the You Can Homeschool podcast, where Pat Fenner and Tracy Hegerman candidly discuss all things homeschooling, the good, the bad, and the brilliant. Go ahead and grab your favorite drink, find a cozy spot, and join this week's lively discussion. Everybody, Pat Fenner from Breakthrough Homeschooling, and welcome to You Can Homeschool. We have a treat today. I am interviewing Julie Polanco, who is the author of 100 No and Low Cost Ways to Motivate Kids. And she's going to talk to us today about passion projects, which is an amazing concept. It's just something I think you'll be able to use in your homeschool. And even if you're not homeschooling, if you're kind of taking off for the summer, you're going to be able to use this for the summer too. It's just an awesome concept. So before we get, I get into that, Julie, welcome. And thank you for your time and understanding. We've been kind of playing a little bit of back and forth here, (laughs) you guys. So I had to thank her publicly for being so flexible. But uh, would you go ahead, Julie, just get us started and and tell our listeners, some people may not be familiar with you and uh, just a little bit about yourself and your homeschooling journey. And then we'll get into the book after that. Okay. Sure, Pat. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you and talk about passion projects and and everything. Um, I have been homeschooling, just finishing up my 19th year. I have four kids. They go from, I have a daughter, 22, a son is about to be 20. And then I have another daughter who's 16 and a son who will be 14 next week. So it's been a fun journey. It, um, it started out not quite so fun. Really thought I was going to give up. And then God spoke to me and, uh, and changed our path and it turned out okay. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy for that. It's been a while and I've been writing and have some books. Uh, we have the 100 Ways book that you mentioned. And I also am the author of the God Schooling, How God Intended Children to Learn. So it's I'm wondering, just confirm with me if it is, has to do with your own transition. You said how things were kind of a little rough when you first started and then God showed you a different way. And, and did that kind of lean in a little bit to, to what your, to, your topic for that first book? Yeah, we started out using one method pretty much of homeschooling. And as often happens, as people get going, they kind of discover that, well, maybe that isn't really going to work so well for me. Mm-hmm. And um, rather than give up, I, I just really pressed in and, um, and we just totally changed things around. And part of that was the passion projects that you're going to talk about today. And it, um, that was a big part of how we moved and and what happened after 
after we did that. So, well, that's a good yeah. segue into talking about that. So, since we are going to be, uh, you know, by the way, those of you who are listening till the end, uh, we will be doing a giveaway of three copies of uh, Julie's book. So, just stay tuned, and I will tell you what you have to do to enter to win that. But uh, it's it's worth entering. It's, it's a great book. I, you can get it on Amazon, of course. But hey, if you can win a free copy, right? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, Julie. Tell us about the concept of passion projects and and just how you came, uh, you know, how it came to you and and what you're doing with it within the book as well, too. So when we transitioned, we uh, transitioned from a more curriculum-based approach to, um, to a heavily Charlotte Mason-influenced unschooling-type approach. And, uh, and part of unschooling um, in a little bit of a structured manner is to have passion projects um, because unschooling really draws on a child's, uh, their natural born talents and skills and interests and particularly their passions. I always tell people that uh, productive passionate pursuits are not the same as entertainment pursuits. So um, I, I like to make that uh, mm-hmm. distinction for people because there's always sort of this connotation and mythology around that method of homeschooling. And it doesn't mean that uh, you don't that you don't have some organized things. And that's part of um, doing passion projects is helping your child to have a, an organized approach to diving deeper with their interests. And the 100 Ways book helps parents to do a little connecting the dots between maybe a more curriculum-driven approach and some real-world learning that is tied to that so that the children can make the connection between school subjects and real-world application mm-hmm. because it's always a struggle for people. In an immersive, more unschooling approach, it, the projects themselves are doing the teaching. So it, it can be a great way to mix it up a little bit uh, using some of the projects from the 100 Ways book with whatever approach you might be using. But we did a lot of those things as a method of teaching and then digging deeper with that. And if you're not used to that, I would, uh, summertime is a great time to be digging into, you know, if you feel like your last school year may have been your first school year uh, to, if you kind of feel like it was a little rough rather than just give, you know, give it all up. Uh, this would be a great book to dig into during the summer and, and try it out. I think a mistake and, and a takeaway that I hope some people have, and you kind of alluded to it, was that, you know, you started out rough and rather than just give up, you just, you tweaked and you, and you changed your approach. And I, I think that's a concern or a fear uh, and sometimes a consequence of a rough first year that people have that, oh, this was too hard, I can't do it. And it might be just, well, you can't do it the way you were doing it. Let's see, there's, there's a myriad of ways to learn. And perhaps your children and you didn't find a, a sink, you know, good, good method or approach. And this is a great way to kind of experiment and play around with that. Yeah, it really is. And kind of have a more family-oriented, deepening relationships and um, still learning at the same time and just having fun together in a way that the parents feel is productive and helps move the child forward in their learning journey 
and that the child, sometimes we don't even realize that they're learning, which is really fun. And I think is the best thing is when parents can do something that they know is learning and that they feel comfortable with that the child just like, Ooh, let's do some more. And you're like, yes, yes, (laughs) let's do some more. And that's really at the heart of, of doing things that way is, is, and doing a more project-based approach is that you can, you can make it around something practical and fun, but that's, they're still learning something that helps move them forward in their skills, in their knowledge, and helps them develop character too, because that's an important part of learning life skills and you know, moving forward and becoming a successful adult uh, is developing those character traits. One of those things that are uh, caught rather than taught kind of thing and, and really develop over time. And so learning, once your child uh, learns how to learn, so to speak, or knows how to learn and how to discover information, well, they can run with that the rest of their lives. But character is really something that needs to be molded and, and, reinforced and strengthened over time. And that is necessarily, I mean, that's something that kind of atrophies, wouldn't, would you say, without uh, development, you know, intentional development? Yeah. One of the things that I saw with the project-based approach was that it was a means to get kids to pursue something that was challenging because mm-hmm. I often would see oh, that's too hard. I don't want to do it. Or they kind of develop like sort of a laziness around Mm -hmm. certain things that they don't want to finish. They don't want to finish work, schoolwork, they get kind of slow and lazy about it. Or, um, and then the parents sometimes have to resort to punishments and things like that to try and get them to do things. But doing the projects around a a child's interest, there's a, a natural intrinsic motivation for them to dig deeper and to continue with the project and develop those those skills of uh, persisting, consistent effort, persisting in doing the work, even when it gets hard, seeing it some, uh, something through to the end. And, um, and at the same time, developing an expertise in something, which, you know, nowadays is there were a specialist society, not a generalist society. And so a kid who gets to be a teenager or, you know, a young adult that has that sort of specialized knowledge mm-hmm. has an advantage, I think, a little bit moving forward into adulthood. Right, right. I think, you know, the things you're saying should really be exciting for parents of teenagers because a lot of the things that you're, you're saying, the characteristics that, that, that passion projects can develop in, in their kids, uh, I hear parents say, you know, my son or my daughter just isn't motivated. I can't get them to finish. They don't, you know, I've got to get after them. And this is not fun. Like, I'm just going to send them to school and let the teacher deal with it. But, but the thing is like sending them to school, you know, the air quotes, sending them to school doesn't really solve the problem at all because nine times out of 10, the teacher isn't dealing with it or is mishandling it uh, just by virtue. I mean, it could be a, a good teacher, but by virtue of having 20, 30 kids in the class, you can't deal with every child intentionally. So it really doesn't solve the problem you know, it, it brushes it under the rug or just kind of shakes it off the table for, for a little while, but, but it does come back. And so, and these are the kind of things that we really want our teens to develop 
while they're under our influence because they certainly won't do them on their own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, I think, you know, human nature, we want to take the easy way out. Human nature, we want to be lazy. You know, <laughs> it, it, it kind of fights against the grain. But if we can, you know, like you say, find what they're passionate about, what they're really interested, delighted about learning. Those are great motivators, you know, to keep, to do the hard stuff, to do the next stuff. So, so I have a question for you. What, uh, what would you say to a parent who might be feeling like, you know, hearing this and saying, this sounds great, but I don't feel equipped to, to do this. Like, how do I know if they're learning? How do I know if they're keeping up with what they should be learning? All these air quotes here, but how do I know that? I don't feel equipped to, to do that. What would you tell a parent that's kind of hesitant to step forward? Um, well, you can take it in baby steps. With younger children, I, I don't really recommend do, having a child do like big projects like too young. Um, starting a child who uh, is maybe eight years old, maybe sometimes as old as 10, on something that may take only a week or a month to do is manageable. And doing it in bite-sized chunks, like just talking with the child first. So what would you like to learn about? Or really being a student of the child and thinking about and, and looking at, well, you know, lots of kids love YouTube. They talk about their favorite YouTuber and all of that. Or um, some kids do like to write. Uh, that seems to be more common among girls. You know, they got their diary or their, you know, their journal or whatever. Um, talk with them about some ways that maybe they might share about something that they know about. And just keeping it small. It's like, okay. Well, you know, maybe you might like to take some pictures uh, about something that you really like to learn about, or maybe let's, you know, look at some websites together or get some books from the library and just starting small like that is usually pretty manageable. And, but with teenagers who are maybe a little bit used to that, or uh, of course they're more independent, mm -hmm. um, there's less need for parental involvement, except to provide some coaching, facilitating uh, a cheerleader um, and uh, as accountability partner, help them to organize and develop a timeline. So uh, looking at it as maybe a, like, as though they were do doing a project for a job, you can say, okay, well, so you're really interested in horses, I'll just say. So how would you talk to, how would you sell somebody else on the idea that they need to get, they need to have a horse, you know, and how would they present something like that? How would they present a project and convince people of the value of having, of owning a horse? Just looking at it from a little bit different perspective, but trying to make it a, a a real world kind of project. That's a great approach because as you were saying that, I think you said something earlier uh, about connecting learning with real life. And I know that was a comment that, you know, when I was coming up, even in school, you know, are we gonna, are we gonna use this in, in life? You know, are we gonna ever use this later on? And, uh, and, and the answer is when you're teaching or using this, you, this format is yes. I mean, I think that really appeals to uh, a teenager to say to them, okay, let's, let's pretend that this is your job. 
you know, and how would you do this, do this as a project if you want to do a PowerPoint or, you know, do it as a speech or a presentation or however you want to do it. This is, this is the assignment. And this, because those kind of things do happen at jobs, do happen at work. They're given a report to do or research or whatever, and then they have to present it. And uh, it is a practical real life. Yes, you will use this <laughs> in your future type of skill uh, that they could be really developing right now in high school. And as they learn to use the different kinds of software or they decide that they are going to start a YouTube channel or something about their favorite topic, perhaps they, they're they demonstrating to future employers and college uh, admissions officers that they have those skills and they have a jumpstart portfolio that they can produce that, yes, I have evidence that I do know how to use these things. I have done this before. And that can help them to fund their college. It can help them to jump into a job right out of high school as well. You know, I think as parents, we know, and pretty much our teens know too, that, you know, whenever you apply for a job, an employer is going to look you up on social. That is going to happen. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and I think that we say that almost as a, now be careful, because be careful what you put on there. But the flip side is also, and you, you're bringing that out beautifully. It's not easy to maintain a YouTube channel. It's not <laughs> easy to maintain even an Instagram feed. And if you are posting regularly in a positive, clear way about whatever your interests are, that speaks a lot to project management, to content creation, to things that you really can extrapolate almost to any kind of job in the real world. And it, there'll be a positive result from your potential employer looking you up on social. Yeah, as we, I mean, we try to keep our kids off of it sometimes, but by the time they're teenagers, they're, I mean, they're pretty immersed in that and they're going to do it. Why not, why not turn into something that can produce good results for them instead of it being just sort of this goofy thing that they, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. It, can, it can be something that brings value back to them um, mm -hmm. just as any business uses it to bring value um, both to their customers and to reflect well on the business. Absolutely. Um, so they, they're representing themselves mm -hmm. in that way and they can do the same for them as well. Right. And be a real world application for mm -hmm. how they can share those passions with people. Yeah. And they can do what, you know, whatever their passion is. Well, within limits, I guess it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads me back to this little gem, a hundred no and low cost ways to motivate kids because really, uh, you know, this whole concept of having a passion project is is a way certainly of motivating older kids. But, you know, you point out too, Julie, and I love that, that really you can start, what, what's eight years old? That's not even middle school, but just in increments and baby steps so that by the time they are teenagers or in high school, they can amaze you at what they'll run with, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, but anyway, so that will motivate them. And this little book will help motivate you get started with doing something like that. So one of the things I like about this book is that you break it up into age, uh, age range ranges. So, you know, you would not be asking a eight-year-old to do the same kind of project you'd ask a high schooler to do. Although that might just be a question of level, skill level, and how deep you dig things like that. So uh, how did you, how did you kind of come up with the distinctions between you have, I think six to eight, eight to 12, and then high school, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, I did look a little bit at the types of curriculum things that people generally do with young kids. I also looked a little bit at uh, child development and what kids, what is sort of the general rule of what kids are capable of at different mm -hmm. ages. And um, I also wanted to be sure that uh, for parents who don't like to have their kids on the computer a lot or social media or things like that, that the projects that were for kids under age 12 were not technology-based. All of those projects can, can be done without a computer. They can be done through a library or just through your own ingenuity, things like that. So they're not only no and low cost, but they're also technology free for the most part, which uh, I, I think parents really like because it's like nobody wants their kid to be sitting in front of technology all the time. Even the ones for the teenagers, there are still a lot of projects that are not technology dependent. And the ones that are, are more research or presentation or uh, having to do research for, for something. Um, and it uh, gives a little bit of insight into how to do that in a safe manner. Uh, yeah, so that's, so I, th I think one of the, uh, or the reason, one of the uh, characteristics that you're saying that they're low tech can be both appealing and a little intimidating to some parents, especially younger parents who may have also grown up with technology. I mean, I realized the other day, I think four out of my five children uh, did, never lived with when there was no like internet and stuff. It's really weird <laughs> to say that, but so that is, so sometimes our go-to can be get them in front of the computer, which we know isn't good. We know isn't healthy, but it's easy. So I love the activities that you have in there because they are pretty easy. And I just want to encourage any parents that might want to try these. If, if you, you may get some pushback from your kids. Oh, this is stupid. And what they really mean is this is, this is outside of what I'm familiar with. It's what they're really saying. And just encourage them, like, don't push them, don't be punishing them or anything like that, but just encourage them to work through that and to get over that. And yeah, this isn't, this isn't comfortable. This isn't, this is something that's different that you're not used to. Let's make a game out of it. Like if you develop some enthusiasm for it too, sometimes that uh, kind of transfers over to them, but it might be a little intimidating to you too, as a parent, because you might not be used to, you know, doing hands-on stuff and having a mess around the house or, or you don't, like having a mess around the house and some of these are messy projects but that's okay give yourself permission too to kind of kick back have fun with them work on some of the projects with them and really experience what family learning can be like at its best because it's it is a it's an amazing thing for building relationships and just finding a joy in learning yeah yeah absolutely you know, I, I, I totally hear you about the technology thing. <laughs> like I had the same thing with, with my kids. I mean, we have jokes about, you know, videos and okay. videos versus in CD-ROMs. Oh <laughs> like the older two remember and the younger two don't remember at all. Like they're like, what are you talking about? It's a disc. <laughs> but it, it is an encouragement. It's, it's, you know, there are so many ways to learn things that it doesn't have to be in front of a computer. And I think it's really good for all of us to kind of think 
more broadly and think out of the box a little bit about how we learn and we're sensory beings. Like we need to use all of our senses to learn, not just our eyes, but all of our senses. And the more that the kids engage and are really using all their senses, the more they remember it and learn it. And it, it, even if it is goofy and, you know, it seems kind of silly and uh, that could be part of the fun. I mean, is that, oh, you know, that, that goofy thing we were trying to do, you know. So there's always a lesson to, to be pulled from something. So Julie uh, provided me with three, uh, yeah, three copies of her book. And I wanted to make them available to you guys. So in order to uh, enter to win kind of thing, uh, you've got to play it to win it, right? Uh, head over to my Instagram feed where I will be posting this uh you know, a, a post about this interview and leave a comment. What was your, what was your favorite takeaway or what did you enjoy about uh, listening to Julie and her passion projects idea and things like that, or a question you could post a question there for her as well, if you like. Uh, and I'll leave that up for a week and then I will pick three winners from the comments and shoot you a copy of her book, 100 No and Low Cost Ways to Motivate Kids. I always look at the title because I want to make sure I get it right. <laughs> So Julie, I just want to thank you so much. Is there anything uh, our listeners want to heads up on and what's coming up for you? Uh, any projects or do you have another book in the works by any chance? Well, I, um, I am pursuing my own passion, which is plants, of course. Um, if you've been to my website at julienaturally.com, you can see that. And um, I am putting the finishing touches on a high school botany course. It's being completely revamped and uh, that will be available for the new school year. So if people are interested in that, so. You, you're like an aromatherapist and I was look, reading your stuff on your, what you, like you're fairly certified in all this stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> it is a passion for you, definitely, most definitely. Yeah, it, Julie's got a great story. I will put the, the link to her website uh, in the show notes, but definitely head over and uh, read her story because it's very, very touching and, and beautiful. And I was inspired by Julie, all the things that you have overcome and in such a beautiful way and end up serving others in the process. So that's, that's very inspiring. So I want to thank you again for your time today. I've had such a good time talking to you. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, y'all head back next week. Then you know, we have not taken the summer off. So you just keep uh, keep listening every week for You Can Homeschool. We are in the summer months now and talking about preparing for getting, getting the ball rolling again for those of you who's, who just schooled during the school year. And of course, for those of you who have a lifestyle of learning, you know that learning never stops. So remember, mamas, I'm gonna leave you with this reminder that You Can Homeschool. And as Tracy always tells us, it can be an awesome journey. All right, take care, y'all. Thanks again, Julie. Bye, thank you. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the You Can Homeschool podcast. Thanks for joining us for another candid conversation. For more information on life-changing books, courses, and coaching services, or if you have a homeschooling topic you'd like to hear discussed in a show, check our show notes for how to reach out to Pat and Tracy. 